night of freedom. He is the most dead guy in school. Yeah, and school's over. Was their last chance. Amanda? To say what they want. God, you're a hottie. Hey, can I see you naked? Hey, Do what they feel. Maybe I should wear a hat. Listen here, Hootie. Hootie. And be who they are. I wonder how William was doing at the party. I can't feel my legs. I can't feel my legs! Can't hardly wait. Wait a PG-13. Opens everywhere June 12th. And welcome back to the whoop, welcome back to the show, everyone. Um, this is Old Millennials Remember Movies. I'm Angela Yoshiko. Whoop! It's Tyler. Whoop! It's Tyler. <laughs> Today we're going to talk about another kind of back to school fun high school movie. Can't hardly wait. Fun is an interesting word, but yeah, it's written and directed in a way that looks like they were trying to make it a fun movie. Yeah, but we'll get into it. Won't we, Tyler? <laughs> we will get into it. This movie was so annoying that I, uh, just about 15 minutes ago, was like, oh my god, I don't know if I want to record a full hour podcast on it. On it can't hardly wait. But we will anyway. Can't hardly wait. I can't even get this the movie title right. I don't think the title... I don't like the title. The title's really bad for this movie. Yeah, can't... I mean, can't, she, I can hardly wait, right? I don't know. I, I know that can't wait is like a real common phrase, but I don't know if can't hardly wait is a real common can't phrase. Can't hardly wait. Yeah, it's just so... And yeah. Yeah. Anyway. So before we get into uh, the movie, mm-hmm. what have I been watching recently? Great question. <laughs> oh, okay. Um, The answer is not a whole lot. Um, I did finish up uh, Luke Cage, uh-huh. which uh, was really good. <laughs> So just finished season two okay, and still loving the show and loving all the actors and the storyline. And I love it when a show is willing to like kill some main characters. Well, geez. I didn't say who, but some Luke Cage, some main characters are dead. Is Luke Cage dead? They're dead. And guess what? The problems of Harlem are not solved by this death. Surprise, surprise. Are you talking about Luke Cage? No. But you know how, like, some shows you'll you'll have, like, your show's villain, and then at the end of it they're like, yeah, the villain's gone now, maybe. You know what? And then I, it doesn't really solve the, the problems. The best example I can give you of this is when the Turtles take out the Shredder, all the other factions, you know, all the other uh, gangs in New York uh, start fighting and causing a big old... It's a city at war. Well, that's pretty much Harlem's in New York. It's pretty much that story. So, like, the main villain of this show gets uh, out of the picture, and then all the other gangs and mobs now are trying to take over, which is worse. Sounds like a real turtle scenario. It's a real Ninja Turtles in New York scenario. It's a war. They have to bring back a, a version of the Shredder, at least, to create, you know, more just peace among the criminals essentially yes. got to keep that criminal fat you got to keep the cr- the crime in check you have to not have because when they war uh, there's bystanders what i really like about luke cage is that they really do a good job of towing the line of like the good characters and the bad characters where like even the bad characters they're some of the sometimes they're redeemable and sometimes they're likable which you know is nice <laughs> so Luke Cage died at the end of the season, second he season totally of Luke Cage. He totally died. Huh? Wow, I can't believe that. Despite his bulletproofness. He's bulletproofness? Yeah, he's bulletproof. Mm. You know that. I guess I do. I don't you know. know everything about everything. I haven't watched any of these shows. <laughs> it's good. That one guy that's in the Iron Fist show, 
he guest appeared in a couple episodes or one episode. Okay. Should I watch Iron Fist? Well, what I've heard is that the first season of Iron Fist is like the weakest of the Netflix Marvel shows. Is That's there what two people seasons? Have told me. I think there's only one. There might be another one. But I think he's also in The Defenders, which you have not watched. Should I watch The Defenders? Probably, because it has like Jessica Jones and Daredevil and Luke Cage and that guy. Oh, okay. Which one should I watch first? Iron Fist or The Defenders? I have no idea. Look up which one comes first. I think... Mm-hmm. I think Iron Fist technically came first, and then The Defenders was like an eight-episode thing okay. or something. I don't know. What okay. do I know? I haven't watched anything besides Daredevil season one. That's terrible. That was a while ago. There's was... never The third season's coming out. We watched that in our old house. That was like three years ago. That was a good, it's a good season of television. <laughs> Yikes. <laughs> I haven't watched it. I remember who, which one of our kids, Sawyer, was a baby, and so we were watching it when she was little, and I just remember falling asleep to several episodes of that. So I could probably rewatch. Yeah, and then, like, The Punisher was in something, and then there's a a Punisher show, or there will be a Punisher show. I don't know. I don't know. I think I saw something about that. Okay. Um, I haven't really watched much else. We started a new show that you told me not to talk about because we haven't finished it. Um, called Maniac with Emma Stone and Jonah Hill. Mm -hmm. And I'm only on episode three. You're on, you're past three. I finished three. So I'm ready to start episode four. Mm -hmm. Um, it's real good. I could watch Emma Stone in just about anything. I really like her. Hmm. She's super blonde in this show. I think she's naturally blonde. You have said that when she played What's Her Name in the Spider Man movie. Which I find strange, but yeah. Because I like her as a redhead. Well, because she she became famous as a redhead. Yeah, like an easy A and stuff. Right. Um, well, from what, from what I've heard about the show, if you like Emma Stone and everything, you just might like the rest of the season. Yeah, I think it doesn't follow a straight narrative. So anyway. is that a good way of saying it? Probably. Yeah. yeah. I've only. I'm not. I'm. I think. I'm. A, I'm an episode behind you. Because um, I started it. See, I started the show because I needed something when I was holding a baby, and then I told you I started it, and you went just ahead, jumped ahead of me. It's Heck ridiculous. Yeah. You're all. Oh, I'm working my other job writing, and I'm like, ah, oh, well, you're writing. I'm gonna sit here and watch some TV. It's frustrating. So I'm even. I've got. I've watched the first two. It, enough for me to keep going. I just uh, haven't gotten. I don't know going. what to think about Jonah Hill. I'm in general like I like him, but I sort of don't like him. Oh, really? But I kind of like him. Uh, I, don't, I I don't know what it is about him. I really like him. I think he, I, what's great about him is that anytime he does kind of a serious or role or something that's kind of unexpected people are like oh man jonah hill that's surprising because he did that with moneyball and he did that with the wolf of wall street yeah that's and right. i think he's mm-hmm. doing it now i think you're just mad at him because he's thin i you know what i think it is and i don't even want to say this because it's such an asshole thing to say it's i think he looks funny because you're not used to, again it's no, like you're I not don't, used to it even if he's thin i just think he's like has a very non-traditional for movie and tv look He's kind of got that, like, character actor look where he's not the traditional, like, symmetrical face. Mm-hmm. He doesn't have the look. And I hate to say that, he's like... He's a comedian, I, I guess, suppose. I know. Thing. I think I feel guilty that I'm judging him based on his looks, but I think that's what it is. Well, I would say that I have always liked him in comedies. I think he's really funny. And then I those two Oscar-nominated roles I really like, too, Moneyball and The Wolf of Wall Street... This, so far, anyway, I've say I've only watched the first two, so I, and I know things get different, but I I think the comatose angle that he's going for is a little... I know it's oh. they're doing it for a purpose. Oh, it's going to change. Yeah. Oh. And so, he's not comatose. Yeah, I, I think that to me that's not um, not utilizing his strengths, but I know I know enough of what's going to happen on the... I mean, I know enough of what the show is to know mm-hmm. that it's, it's not going to stay that way, so... He does have some range, I guess. I like him. I'm just saying. I like him. 
Yeah. So that's 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 been I like excited Emma, to go finish that. I like Emma Stone more. I love her. Yeah, I really like Emma Stone, so there's that. Um, she reminds me of um the likability of what's her name in the movie we're about to review. Lauren Ambrose. Yeah, see just see that's a great thing about Tyler. I can just say what's her name in that movie and he reads my mind. Generally, yeah, Lauren Ambrose six feet under and yes. uh, yeah, no. She's good. I like her. She's mostly a TV actress, it seems like, but But I like really like her. Yeah. Well she yeah, I mean, you're a fan of Six Feet Under and she's very good on that show. So yeah. that makes sense. And I that's could... where you discovered her, I suppose. Yeah. Right. Um, what have you been watching recently? Well, uh, let's tell you, the Maniac, I am about halfway through, finally, the Fargo season three. I've been meaning to watch it. It's been on Hulu for a while, and I really liked the first two seasons. It's not, all the seasons are self-contained, um, so I, I like that aspect of it. So this is totally different. I've been meaning to start it, and uh, it's Fargo, like, it's a... Uh, this, it's a, the third example of this again, where if you watch the first episode... You're like kind of hooked. They've done a very good job of like setting the table for what you're supposed to expect in the season, you know, what the inciting incident is, and just it propels you to just kind of want to watch more. And I really like that about the show. And so I've been doing my best to take it slow Mm because I think it's every hour is really just really good. And uh, it's kind of like what I would do with like Mad Men or something. I really liked Mad Men and I, but I didn't like episodes bleeding together because I felt like every episode was so strong uh you know it's worth of it's worth some time it's good to put in some time I think I don't I'm not a big uh binge tv guy I like to I like to take my time with stuff I think for the brain's sake like your brain can only process and remember so much that if you don't space some of those episodes out it does bleed together and then just forget whole whole shows yeah I, I Exactly. Yeah, and it, it, the same thing with that maniac. I was I was good with kind of the the first two, like being a, a table setter, but then knowing that it gets different, I was just like, well, maybe I'll just sit with it for a couple days and and watch something else. So I'll jump between that, jump between Fargo. Uh, yeah, so there's those two. And then let's see. I watched. Uh, oh, okay. So I finally there's a movie that was a big deal last year that everybody saw. It seemed like it was a big hit. And then people kept talking about it. Oh, my gosh. Every one of my Facebook friends was like, this is the best movie ever. For, yeah. For some reason, this was the one that, uh, yeah. And for, for whatever reason, I did not see it in the theater. I did not see it when it came out on video. I waited all the way until HBO to watch The Greatest Showman. The Greatest Showman is the greatest musical ever. So a couple things it's got going for it. I generally like musicals. Generally, I'm a little bit picky about what I like. That's probably pretty typical of anybody that likes musicals, but I'm a little picky now. And I also really like Hugh Jackman. So it's got two things going for it. But when it came out, everything about it seemed so cheesy. And the reviews were really split. It was like this thing where it was like, you either really love it or it's like, no, this isn't going to work. And so because of that and because of just the music I'd heard, I was like, ah, I'm fine waiting. I don't need to see this right away. And then for whatever reason, I just didn't watch it until HBO, like 11 o'clock at night with this music, with the sound kind of turned down. <laughs> <laughs> so this is um, the... Disagree. The sound did not sound turned down. Did you already talk about this movie? Because I feel like I already complained about you, you having it on. You complained about it being on, but I mean, I don't think we talked about it. Are I you talked, sure? Yeah, I talked about uh, the, the Bye Bye Man, I thought. 
You had it on so loud. I was like, what in the hell is he watching out there? It's one of those things where you turn on the TV and it's like the the louder background sounds and the music goes louder. But when they start talking, you can barely hear them. So it's one of those situations. And what does it matter? Oh, I had the baby on my lap. So you know what? You can just be cool. I'm pretty certain you have the baby in the in the nope. crib. Nope. Baby was on me that entire movie. The entire movie. Well, I was he annoyed kept, by it. kept getting up. Yeah. You, oh, I can't sleep. I got a baby rolling around and we won't sleep. How about that? How about that? Top that. Top that. Oh, speaking of top that, when are we going to review The Good Witch? The, what is that the name of it? Teen Witch. Teen Witch. Shit. Teen Witch. I don't know. <laughs> you have to obtain a copy. Hey, send us a copy of Teen Witch. Yes, if you own a DVD of The Teen Witch... We're going to get an email that says, like, hey, just rent it, assholes. <laughs> just rent it for two ninety nine. Digital on, on Amazon or whatever. Exactly. It's on YouTube, I'm sure. YouTube, that's the place that's got everything, like, for rental it now. It does seem like it. They've got every little thing. Anyway, uh, so The Greatest Showman. <sighs> Listen, I I surprisingly like the music in it. Like, I enjoyed the the soundtrack in general. The songs, I thought, were pretty good and pretty lively. I did not love the story. It felt very – it was cheesy – you know, if you know a little bit about P.T. Barnum, even if you do a little reading on P.T. Barnum afterwards, even if you do a little reading on Wikipedia, you definitely get a sense of like, wow, this could be an amazing – this is a great movie you could make a musical out of because there's so many interesting things about his life, good and bad. This movie largely ignores all that, and it's fine, but it just – it seems very generic in a lot of ways, and – I didn't buy – there's a whole thing with Zac Efron and Zendaya, which I didn't connect with. And so, yeah, anytime the movie was, like, not doing the music or the dancing, I didn't love it. Also, I didn't love – everything about it is so CGI-looking. Like, it's not – there's some great, like, dance sequences where people are – there's choreography, but then it's, like, set behind – uh, just a big, like, vacant seat. It's like a Star Wars prequel. I, I don't know. These are minor things, I guess. But to me, it doesn't It doesn't feel big. It doesn't feel like a big production or a big mm. musical because it still feels like it's digitally created but in a really artificial way. It's a period piece, so it just makes it all the more strange. You know what is the greatest show? What's that? Magic. Oh, yeah. Magic shows. I guess we did watch the end of that. We watched, finally, we're like three weeks behind network TV, but America's Got Talent. Because it is a show where our kids like it. It is a show. Well, it's our kids (laughs) like it, so, and whatever. I mean, it's just a dumb reality competition show, but our kids will watch it, so then we'll watch it in like 20-minute bursts, and so we're always like behind it. So then we we did watch it, and our five-year-old son was very excited at the magician one. I wish I would have recorded his reaction, because yes. I don't think I've seen him that excited about anything in a real long time. And he's a very excited kid. He jumped up and down and was like, yeah, 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 the magician one. He didn't say, to be clear, he didn't say magician. He's like, the card guy one. The card guy. <laughs> the, the magic show. And our daughter, older daughter, she liked the magician, but liked the group, the dance group slash stunt group better sure, who yeah. came in second place which i really like too so it was a win-win for me but uh yeah she's like no anyway um what are we talking about greatest showman yeah whatever i don't know i don't th- i think you'd hate it the greatest showman i you know when you have um sometimes i have an intuition yeah. about movies 
And yeah. I think I get it from like, I'll hear people's reactions and depending on the people and kind of what they say, I'm like, no, nah, I don't think that's going to be my kind of movie. I know that you got poorly that went for you. So I just have a feeling that The Greatest Showman would not be your kind of film. And, you know, no disrespect to people out there who love those types of movies. Just, you know, you got to know the movies you like and those are not the movies I like. Then again, I don't know because you liked um, Into the Woods, which is a divisive musical, and you liked... Uh, I think we both like Sweeney Todd. Did you? Did we see Les Miserables together? I still haven't seen Les Miserables. Oh, and I th- that's one that I I have problems with, and I'm not sure if you'd like that one because it's so um, my, my it's filmed differently. My take on musicals yeah. and movies is if it's too popular, uh-huh. I'm probably not going to like it. <laughs> okay. So, Mamma Mia, very popular. Very popular. Didn't like it. I didn't like it either. And I Cabin in the Woods. Not popular. Cabin in the Woods? Well, not Cabin in the Woods. Into the Woods? Into the Woods. Well, it's a very popular music. Didn't musical. Cabin also come out? Not Cabin, that Joss Whedon. The Cabin in the Woods? Probably around that time. So, that's why I got mixed okay. up. Okay. Also a different kind of movie. Also, that director has a new movie out coming, well, soon, but oh. anyway. Um, I don't want to see Les Mis. You know why I don't want to see Les Mis? Because I watched the old, I, there's probably 18 versions of it, but in French class in high school, and... I fucking hated the book, and I didn't want to watch the movie, so I got already well, negative feelings on the whole <laughs> it's thing. It's different. It's the musical version. That's the whole story. Blah, blah, blah. Ugh. All right. Well, I really like the musical <laughs> Les Miserables like, a lot. I literally love the music, and I did not like the movie at all just because of how it was filmed and how the, the music was handled. Didn't this but... one have Hugh Jackman, too? Yeah. And I like Hugh Jackman. I think he's a great performer. I, I don't have a problem with him in The Greatest Showman. I like his singing. I just don't. None of the rest of it. Why do I people bought. love it so much? What, what, like, got people to the, be like, I w- it was so moving and touching? Well, I think, be- you know, the music's pretty good, and I think that probably helps. And it's more modern. Like, like it's definitely, it's a new musical. Like, the music You said is- it was a period piece. Right, but the music itself is designed to be, like, appeal to, like, a more modern sensibility of, of music, right? So there's that going for it's it. It's got some hip-hop in it. Not hip-hop, but it's just, it feels like it's... Let's talk about Hamilton. Why? <laughs> That's an actually good musical. I well, there's no movie like to of that see yet. a movie of. Well, eventually, but um, anyway, sorry. Why do people like it? I think it's the, the, the music is more contemporary. Number one, and I think the the messaging of the movie is very broadly optimistic and like everybody's special and and uh, uh, you know even like because it's about like the freaks of the uh, circus, quote unquote freaks, and how you know they deserve to be loved and together and all that stuff too so i mean in general there's like there's, there's a especially when it came out like christmas time it has that that feel to it so i could see a lot of like general audience goers seeing that and, and enjoying it um so yeah but i don't know i tend to push away easy sentimentality and that movie is very much like easy sentimental it just is like laying it out it's like we deserve respect and that's like no okay, but, shit. Yeah. Yes. I mean, the, it's it, they're obvious themes, and so like if you're not doing it in a very specific way, that's calling you know that's something different besides uh, she's a bearded woman. I don't know. I just would rather. <laughs> I I need a little bit more than just like this broad this broad message. I don't know. It mm-hmm. just seemed very hollow. It rang hollow to me anyway. So okay. Um. Okay. So then the other movie I'll talk about is a movie called Mandy, and this is Nicolas Cage. Nicolas Cage in an actual movie. He he does a lot of these uh, direct-to-video procedurals. He seems to be sleeping through them a lot. Uh, I would consider myself a Nicolas Cage fan, have been a Nicolas Cage fan for a while. Pre, like, the real ironic fan phase. You know how there's people that 
like Nicolas Cage for the super cuts online of him just going crazy. Right? You know what I'm talking about. Yes. I've, I've liked him as a performer before, and I acknowledge that the career has fallen off. <laughs> but anyway, Mandy is a movie where he plays a lumberjack, which seems like a setup for a real Nick Cage moment. I gotta I gotta look this up so I can look at some pictures while you're talking. And he has a wife who's played by Andrea Riseborough, and she's familiar. I I always get her name wrong, but um anyway they have a Why is there blood all over all over his face? Well, because this is a, a revenge tale. Well, it's part revenge tale, part cult. You're slow burning me. Let's get to it. Where what is it? Well, the movie itself is a slow burn. It is very atmospheric, moody. It's very colorful and vibrant. Big synthesizer uh, score, which is Johan Johansson's, like one of his last scores before he died. It is uh, pure insanity. It's like a fever dream. It's like this director who made another movie called like Beyond the Black Rainbow is like known as being like a like potheads like it because it's like a slow burn with lots of weird visuals. This is very similar. It's categorized as an action horror. I yes, but not for a while. Not really. It, it it takes its time. But there's basically a cult, a crazy cult member who kidnaps his wife, and Nicolas Cage is thrust into action at some point. In which he will. I mean, this is slight spoilers, but they're advertising it on this. If you hang around long enough, you're going to see. Nicholas Cage forge his own battle axe and fight a guy with a chainsaw. So when you have those that promise to you, you're going to hang around, <laughs> which is what oh. I did. Did you know this was a period piece set in the year 1983? Yeah, I mean, that's... That's the year I was born. Yeah, well, there you go. And it does have that 80s kind of sound and look to it. Um, it is certainly not for everyone. I don't even know... Because it's, like, on one hand, very gory. But on one on the other hand, it takes an hour to get to that. And it's slow and methodical, and yet... And also, like, visually ambiguous in some respects. And then you have, like, this genre thrill aspect of it. Then you have the people that like Nick Cage. Sounds amazing. Yeah, it's... I like I would have liked this movie. There's a lot of people that I could see not liking it. It's not. It's hard to recommend, but, I mean, it's... Uh, it's there's not a lot of things like it. And I think Nicolas Cage gives a... A good performance. He goes crazy in it, but it's rooted in, like, real pain, and I don't know. Like, I thought it's one of his better roles in a long time, if you take nothing else away from it. And it, it looks gorgeous, and yeah, it's real gory, and yeah, some of it's just kind of weird, but I don't know. I had fun with it, but I, you know, I know there's, it's a divisive one. A lot of people don't like it. It's on VOD. You can rent it now. I think it comes out on like Blu-ray and more VOD stuff in October. So I want to watch it. How can I watch it? VOD. Go rent, rent it. I might have expired the rental though. Sorry. It was like a minimum. Anyway. Well, why didn't you tell me? I would have liked that movie. I needed to get an article done. It was something I decided to get done. So I did it and I did it. <sighs> you're giving me crap about watching be on an episode video. on Netflix and you're watching whole movies that I I have enjoy. responsibilities that I have to follow through with. I couldn't write about a whole series. This is right up my alley. Well, yeah, it could be. Yeah. There's like demonic stuff. Uh, yeah, yeah. It's a, not real demons. It's well, I mean, or is it? I don't oh, know. see, I, seems interesting. It's it's pretty good. I I think it's very good. I think it's uh, a strong. I think it's worth watching. I think it it would have been amazing in the theater. I think it was playing in a theater here briefly, but because oh. uh, it, it's one of those where. It's better if you are immersed in it, if you just, mm -hmm. like, put your phone down and, like, let it, let the slowness kind of take over you a little bit. Because totally. it, it does, it, it just, it takes this time to get to where it goes. But once it gets going, it's like, oh, okay, well, here we go. Okay, so put that on your list, Mandy. Yeah. 
Okay. Um, so let's just go ahead and we'll spend about five minutes talking about <laughs> Can't Hardly Wait. Cause that's Why do you want to talk about, about it so the much? minutes that this fucking movie deserves. Okay. So, okay, so to start off, wait. our first segment is What Do You Remember? <laughs> Um, so this is where we sit down before the movie starts, uh-huh. and we give ourselves about 30 seconds, a minute, just to write down what we remember about the plot. Try to describe it. So uh, here's what I wrote. I actually don't have it in front of me, but here's what I wrote. I can I can remember. <laughs> Why are you laughing at me? I can look it up. Like, here's what I wrote. I didn't actually, I don't have it in I front of me. I don't have it in front of me. Fine. I think I remember what you said that you wrote down. Well, so. now you're giving me a hard time. No. Now I'm going to pull it up. We're going to make the people wait. <laughs> God, you're such a. Do you do the high stats first, or we do this first? We do the. We're gonna do this first. Okay. I don't know where I wrote it. Just say what you're gonna say. I know what you wrote down. I I can cool. I can uh, I can back up what you're saying because I um, remember what you said. Here's what I said. Yep. I don't remember anything about this movie. <laughs> That's it. You did say that. That's exactly. I, did, I what wrote you said. it out. Yeah, you wrote it down. I remember. Um, and even before I wrote that. I pulled up, like, uh, Google search images just to be like, what? Who was in this movie? See if it would jog a little memory. Nothing. Nothing came to mind. <laughs> However, I'll throw this out there. Even the first ten minutes, I was like, I don't remember this movie. But then it gets going, and I remember it. When you get to the party, probably, right? Yeah, when it gets to the party. Yeah. I don't remember all the stuff before. Well, and there's not a lot of that. But, I mean, I could see how it doesn't char- start tracking until you get to, like... Because the party is the whole yes. movie. And I was so not interested in watching this movie versus 10 Things I Hate About You and She Can't Hardly Wait, which I was excited about. She can't hardly wait. I keep She's all that. that. She's all that. Oh, my God. I'm so tired. Um, that instead of watching the first 10 minutes of this movie, I was looking for Disney on Ice tickets. Oh. And then you ask me, what are you doing? I go, oh, uh, writing notes. And then you go, oh, are you looking stuff up about the movie? I said, uh-huh. And then later I told you the truth. <laughs> She can't hardly wait. <laughs> she can't hardly wait. All right. Well, um, you want to know what I wrote down? <laughs> what did you remember, Tyler? It's the last big party of high school. Seth Green. Hold on. How do you remember this shit? Okay. Well, I'll get to that. You okay. want me to do this segment first, and then okay, we'll go to the next fine. part. Keep going. It's back to school month. This is what we're doing. We're doing these movies that are about school. What okay. do you want from me? Okay. Start over. It's the, la- <laughs> it's the last big party of high school. Seth Green wants to get laid, and Ethan Embry wants to declare his love for Jennifer Love Hewitt. Via letter, which is also a terrible idea. JLH just broke up with Cool Guy, Nerd Gets Drunk, and Lauren Ambrose pities Seth Green. Also, Jenna Elfman at a phone booth. That's so many details <laughs> that you got right on. Right. One, to even remember the main guy's name, I already forgot it between you just saying... Well, the actor. I don't remember his name. Ethan. Ethan Embry's the actor. So you didn't even remember. Right. You do have a mind for movies. It's impressive. I don't remember character names, though. Like, I, you could tell me the name of the character. I would be like, okay. That was John. Preston. Whose name is Preston? Because I know about so Preston. you remember <laughs> Um. So, the, I, I know this movie... Too well. <laughs> so we have about three minutes left. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Just kidding. <laughs> I know the movie too, way too well. If this was on like HBO or cable, and it would just play, and it's one of those movies where good or bad. If you don't like the movie, if you like the movie, if you started it somewhere in the middle, if they're at the party, you can pick up what's going on. Yes. You don't have to remember anything that happened before. You don't have to really know where it's going. It's a hangout movie. It's a hangout movie. There's no, like, let's make a bet about a girl. There's no plot, really. I mean, there there's, is, but it's it's but very really. minimal. And there's, like, there's separate stories. There's, like, six main characters and really, like, three stories. Yeah. So 
you can pick up on it real easy. So, I mean, that's obviously what happened with me. I didn't see it in the theater, but whenever it was on cable or, or HBO, it was like, well, it's on. Let's watch it. Let's and, see when it was on in the theaters. Okay. With a little segment called The High Stats. Yes. Okay, so Can't Hardly Wait came out in June. June 12th, 1998. Uh-huh. PG. 13. 13. One hour, 40 minutes. Oof. It's about 25 <laughs> minutes and an hour Ooh, and 20 minutes I too thought it long. Was, if I remembered it, I would have said it was like, like no way it was more than like 92 minutes, but that's okay. Yeah. Um... What else would you like to know, Tyler? Box office. I want to hear the. I want to hear the numbers. Oh, hold on. It was written and directed by Deborah Kaplan. Mm-hmm. She was a co-director and then a co-writer. But one of them. Oh, is, and Harry Elfont. They both wrote and directed. And I think one of those. I think. Well, I think it's Deborah is married to Brecken Meyer, who's uncredited as like the band leader in the movie. Oh, really? And that's you know Brecken Meyer from like Road Trip and. Oh, it's real fun fact. I think that's right. I could be totally so wrong. So the fact that a, a woman signed off on this movie and participated in writing it in 1998. Uh, <laughs> to be to be clear, uh, <laughs> just to be clear, okay, it does star Jennifer Love Hewitt and Ethan Embry and some other people. Seth Green is the big one. Seth Green. Lauren Ambrose. Box office. Give me those budget okay, box office. Scrolling down. Just hold on a second. Budget box office. Yeah. What was? What do you think the budget was? Oh, I mean, it's, it's a party. How much are we talking? Like twenty million? Can't be that much. Estimated at ten million. Yeah. All right. See. Gross USA was twenty five million. Not much. All right. Made its money back, but made its money back. Opening weekend eight million. Oh, not not a great hit. Yeah. Interesting. I a little bit surprised by that, but. I guess not, because the ones we talked about pre- earlier in the month were uh, like 99 movies, and obviously the teen comedy situation was a little bit more lucrative a year later. How do you feel about um, people pointing out movie goofs? Uh, depends on the goof. Some goofs are interesting, some goofs are stupid, and some goofs are, shouldn't even be on the IMDb. Well, here's one that's on the IMDb. Uh, okay. Both Preston and Denise. Who the hell's Denise. Denise is One of those the Lauren Ambrose character, right? Sure. Their hair, um, notably shorter the morning after the party. Okay. Who cares? Like, who cares? I don't care. Shut I mean, up. It wasn't enough to notice. <laughs> oh, my God. Anyway, yeah. No, whatever. That's just... People do that. Um, okay, so the other thing we... I want to talk about this at the beginning or talk about it at the end? Because Which part? Let's not talk about the plot. Not so much as... Uh, there's something I want to get to that remind me if I don't get to it. Oh. Okay. Um, but... This is a this movie starts out very 1998. I mean, we've got this first. It's not just uh, the beginning. It's Smash Mouth all over the place. Is it like did Smash Mouth like pay to be in this movie? <laughs> it was know. like every third song. It was like the big Smash Mouth explosion. I think hey, there's really only like two I'm songs. Star, but it's played a few times. Not All Star, but there's like other ones that are played. I, I think that one's in the no, movie that, that's too. Like a, that's I don't know. There, it's a lot of Smash Mouth. Who cares what song it was? It's too much. Walking on the Sun is the one that's played. A couple of times. And, like, so you got that going. You've got the opening scene, which is just, like, credits, and there's, like, people are at graduation, and they're, like, this audio, this dialogue's going over the top of, like, conversation, quote-unquote, and it's just, like, these terrible lines of, like, I'm naked under my uh, gown, and, oh, it's just, it's so stupid. Um, oh, my gown smells like blue cheese. I wrote that one down, because Gross. why would that even be a thing? Uh, Can't yeah. get enough of you, baby. The, okay, yeah, that's the. You know what? That's Smash all. Song. That's actually. And see. then it's "Walking on the Sun" is the other one that's playing, right? Mm-hmm. That's played. There's a couple songs in there. 
But this is how we learn right off the bat that a character named Amanda Beckett, who's Jennifer Laura Hewitt, is broken up with uh, her longtime boyfriend, played by Peter Fascinelli. I don't remember that guy's name. Mike Dexter? Sure. That's probably what it is. And then we meet Ethan Embry's character, Preston, and he is in love with Jennifer Love Hewitt. Ugh. Capital L, capital O, capital V, capital E. Why is he in love with her? Yes, why is he in love with well, her? Well, we get a flashback to when she comes was to school. Was this in the beginning when I was looking yes. up Disney on ice tickets? But this is this. But this. <laughs> I don't remember. You know it. what? That's a good example of what's wrong with this picture because. There's a flashback where he kind of narrates in scene a little bit. He's sitting in a in a in a chair. She comes in. She's new in school or whatever, and he she's pulling out a snack to eat, and it's a strawberry pop tart. And Ethan Ember's like, "It was the very same strawberry pop tart that I was eating on. It was a sign. It was such a sign that we were meant to be, or whatever." They cover Jennifer Love. They don't show Jennifer Love Hewitt's face because it's supposed to be four years later. We're supposed to like Ethan Embry is narrating or whatever. So, but then. We come to learn that later in the that that's like the inciting reason of why he's in love with her. But he was gonna someone want, we need to, the teachers like we know someone needs to show Amanda around, and he's gonna raise his hand. But then Peter Fossinelli's like, oh, I'll show her around. He's the popular jock, and then that's it. They were dating. He missed his shot. Basically, he missed. He's what he's saying. His but shot. then what we come to learn is that Preston ha- has is maintained feelings for her for a long time, several years, a long time, but. She doesn't know who he is. <laughs> she doesn't know his name. No. She doesn't know what he looks like. No. She sat with him in a class and doesn't know who he is. At least more than is. one. Exactly. How do you harbor... How can this be a believable scenario where in the main character is so in love, but has never spoken to her? Has never had a fucking conversation with her. This is creepy. This it's, guy is creepy. It's bizarre. It's really bizarre when you put the details together. I think the memory of the movie is more like, well, he's friends with her and he's holding feelings, but that's not... That's not the movie. That's, that's not, not what's it. Going on. In fact, the plot hinges on the fact that she doesn't know who he is. Yeah, so she's looking for him throughout this party. Which could have been... There's just... There's so many better ways to do this movie. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Including, like, the, at some later in the movie, he's written this letter and he wants to... He's going to this party because he wants to give the letter. He's going off to Dartmouth. He's got a writing... A writing workshop with the Kurt Vonnegut. With the real Kurt Vonnegut. <laughs> oh, I got a writing class tomorrow. <laughs> He's got to go. He's going on the Kurt train tomorrow. Kurt Vonnegut. <laughs> Get the fuck out of here. So stupid. Well, what screenplay writer, <laughs> screenwriter, whatever they're called, puts that... Who, who signs off on that? Because it's such an important plot point because there's it's got to be like, oh, he's leaving there's no tomorrow. Time. Everything has to happen tonight. I thought it would have been more interesting if he was leaving for the army or something. That's what I thought I missed. Maybe and then the first like, nope, I won't know a workshop with Kurt Vonnegut. Well, if they had waited three years for 9-11, they could have easily done that, couldn't no, they? No, seriously. But, um, so, no, see, he's written this letter and he wants to give it to her before he goes. And so later he ends up losing the letter and it gets in her hands. Whereas, so then she reads it, the letter, she's moved by it, and it's signed Preston, right? Mm-hmm. She doesn't know who it is. <laughs> who the, who's Preston? She's just impressed. They have several written. scenes with her walking around asking people, who's Preston? Including the best scene in the movie where it's a Jason Siegel, like as a first acting debut. Yes. And he's a... Uh, watermelon guy. Watermelon guy. This is his character. Mm-hmm. He's clearly drunk, or, mm-hmm. you know, playing drunk. And he's trying to tell Jennifer Love Hewitt who Preston is, and he's just like... I don't know, he likes shirts? <laughs> he wears mm-hmm. shirts. Mm-hmm. 
Preston. I have a clip for you. Yes, play it. Let's play the clip. There's also another guy. I don't know who he is. Oh, sure. He's got a stegosaurus, though. So the main guy talking is not Jason Siegel. I think people can. If you know Jason Siegel, you probably didn't recognize his voice. Preston? I don't know. Well, the hair is kind. I don't know. Brown? No, it's not really brown. Oh, he's tall. Yeah. He's kind of, kind of tall. Sort of tall. And he's like always wearing. Like T-shirts, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so he's sort of tall, kind of, with hair, yeah. And he wears T-shirts sometimes, yeah. Yes. That's it. Yes. Well, I mean, he's Preston. Preston, you know, Preston. I like that guy. Preston! <laughs> you know who else I like who never got much play? Is Velma from Scooby-Doo. She, right. she was also a cool... She was a hip, hip, hip lady. Sure. Best scene in the movie. <laughs> there are also throughout the movie before this clip plays, as Preston's walking through the party, mm-hmm. several people are like, Hey, Preston! They all know him. <laughs> Every Everybody in this fucking high school knows him. He's not unpopular. stuck-up. Bitch. Yeah, he's not. He's not unpopular. Uh, his no. friend Lauren Ambrose. No one knows, which is all, the other funny part of the movie, one part of the movie, where a girl comes up to Lauren Ambrose <laughs> sitting on the couch, and she's like, "Oh hi." She seems like she's an awkward girl, just like she is. And then they're like, oh, do you, so you go to school? You go to, you have that class? And then she's like, oh, yeah, I think you're in chemistry or whatever. And the girl stands up and goes, like, see, I told you she went to our school. It's Which hilarious because you think, oh, man, Lauren Ambrose, you're, you're sitting with like the nerdiest, the nerdiest girl in school just sat next to you. Probably like, she's got no friends. Right. You've, you're hitting a real low, Lauren. And then. Bam! It gets even lower. It's even like, lower because she has friends. It's yeah. hilarious. And well, and, okay, so then. As we've come to learn from, uh, well, I'll just I'll jump off the Jason Siegel point is that the movie's populated with a lot of these uh, pop up characters, people that were cut out of the movie or little bit parts. Amber Benson, who is in uh, Buffy the Vampire Slayer, she is in one shot essentially. <laughs> she had her part cut out because she was playing a stoner, I guess. And they're trying to get that PG thirteen. So rating. she's just looking at a banana in one scene. You've got uh, so there's. Four, by my count, Six Feet Under alums. You got Lauren Ambrose. You've got uh, Peter Fostinelli was in some episodes of Six Feet Under. Eric Balfour, who played uh, Claire's boyfriend, Lauren Ambrose's boyfriend. Yes, mm-hmm. he has a scene where she, I think, he licks her. Yeah, this yeah. Is, there's a lot of. Wait, well, that's a whole other thing we got to get into. But like, he's drunk and like she's trying to go up to the bathroom, and this guy just licks her. That's Eric Balfour, kind of in line with his character on Six Feet Under, if I recall. Mm-hmm. A little bit of a creepy. And then the uh, the other one I'm thinking of, Freddie Rodriguez, yeah. who was. Um, the assistant uh, morgue guy, morgue, mortician, mortician. That's the word, right? And he is one of the popular jock Mike Dexter's friends, uh, and he's got a you know he's got a bit part, and he's a horn dog, just like the rest of the. So, guys. side note: if you haven't seen Six Feet Under, go watch it. It's, it's good, so good. That's yeah, very good. It's a good show. So, okay, we know about uh, Ethan the, Embry going mm-hmm. after the stupid letters. What are you talking about? We know that Mike Dexter is really popular. He's broken up with Amanda because he wants to be free for the summer before college. He convinces his buddies, including Fred, Fred Rodriguez, to do that. They immediately give up on that and they go back to their girlfriends within the first 20 minutes of this party. So he's being mopey, right? We got him. Mm-hmm. We got Jennifer Love Hewitt, who's being told by her friends that she's the 
She's the Gwyneth of the relationship. You don't need the Brad Pitt of the relationship. This that is how dated sounds, the movie this is. This is funny, yeah. Um, and then you have uh, the nerd, a super smart character, mm-hmm. who is played by, what's his name? Oh, good, Tyler. You're real prepared for that one. Well, I had it. Uh, Charlie Cosmo, mm-hmm. who you, I he, always, he looks so familiar. And that's because he was a child. I, he was in Hook. He was like the main kid, like Robin Williams' son in Hook. He's also in What About Bob? So he was – he didn't only get much of a career after this movie, but that's what I remembered him from. Like he, once you connect the dots, you can tell it's him. So he plays uh, – Oh, he only has eight credits. Yeah, he must – I don't think he did much work. So he is a guy who's been bullied by Mike Dexter. He's going to the party to, to take revenge on him. And so he's planted a plan with his nerds, which he leaves up on the – pool house roof he leaves his nerd friends up there where they're they're doing they're watching over they're the ones that are supposed to like do something they're gonna hatch this plan and he goes and he starts drinking and starts having fun and everybody starts loving him and then you have lauren ambrose who's we've established as uh nerdy uh ending up getting locked in a bathroom with seth green our apparent uh comedic anchor of the movie where he plays a wannabe gangster who is just uh, trying to get laid, talking to his friends, wearing giant goggles, which were apparently... Now, were the giant goggles ever a thing? No. I think they're making fun of it, but I don't know where this idea is coming from. It didn't come from anywhere. I don't know. But he's just talking, you know, real weird. He's like, why are you trying to mess with my flavor? Things like this. He's trying to hit on every single he's girl. He's trying to talk he's like a doing, black rapper. He's just he's he's hitting on every every girl at the party. It's not going well. It's super cheesy. He some girl like gives him some kind of hint that they he she might do something with him. So he goes up to the bathroom. That's when Lauren Ambrose comes in. They get locked in. She doesn't seem to like him, but it turns out they were childhood friends and they good friends and they've got to reestablish this relationship, this friendship. So that is pretty much where that story goes. Mm-hmm. So you have that. You got Ethan Embry fumbling around. You got the jock being a jerk. You got Jennifer Love Hewitt trying to remember that she's a person, which uh. is weird. What's the deal with this character? Because she doesn't know who Preston is. But I, I go between like that's I I kind of feel like that's you, not her fault. She's stupid. I don't maybe, but no, she's stupid. She's not a character. She doesn't have any discernible... There's nothing interesting about her. There's nothing sexy about her. There's nothing... Well, she's... other than that, it's Jennifer Love Hewitt. But, like, she has no reason... I don't think she's that hot she's in this movie. She's got big hair. She's got big hair. Her hair is twice as big as her face. It, it, I don't... <laughs> she's not hot in this movie. All right. Well, I mean, okay, that's fine. That aside, she's no character development. I don't know who she is. Why do I give a fuck about her? We think that she's nice because she's played by Jennifer Love Hewitt, and we like her because she's the famous, probably at the time, one of our more famous people God, in the I'm cast. just, like, looking at a screen capture of her on... I, I just want to hit her in the face right now. But she's not... So annoying. But I, what I'm saying is, is that I don't think, like, does she have... She doesn't have to know him, really. I mean, they're in class together, maybe. I get that part. But, like, what entitles Ethan Embry's character, Preston, to, like... What entitles this character to feel like she he needs a chance with her? He's made oh. no attempt to oh. get to know her. He is stalker. Okay, well, yes, yeah, so that's what I'm saying. Like, I don't... I don't see where we are supposed to, like... I, I struggle empathizing with his plight here. But at least we don't get a scene where, like we do in uh, 10 Things I Hate About You, where... Joseph Gordon-Levitt is, like, lecturing the girl about, like, play, call, leading and, him and on. And then calling her a bitch about it. Yeah, I mean, that, I think that, at least he's not doing that. He has enough respect for her in that regard. But, 
Uh, you know, there's a lot of... So this is the part I wanted to get to. There's a lot of... Uh, whew, there's a lot of... Uh, grab ass going on at this uh, party. <laughs> and uh, the main guy shoves uh, Sabrina the Teenage Witch also Melissa Joan hard. Hart, yeah. yeah. She's in the movie. She plays the... She wasn't... She's a very small part. She's the girl who wants to get everybody's signature senior class. 522 people, by the way, in the senior class. Uh, so Lauren Ambrose shouldn't feel that bad. There's no way there's 522 people at this house party. So she's yeah. not the only one that's supposed to be in with this crowd. That's true. So, you know, she should be feel better about that. That's true. But, yeah, she's trying to get signatures from everybody. And then that's her She goes lot. up to this guy, and he shoves her so hard, she clearly falls down. What a so you got that. Asshole. Now I understand it. The at drunken parties, people are playing grab ass. I get that. But there's a lot of just like, I'm drunk. Let me grab you and kiss you, and being okay with that. Mm-hmm. And a lot of that going on. The drunk guy, he does this. He gets uh, not the drunk guy. The nerd guy gets drunk. He thinks there is one little funny bit where he like tastes the beer, and he's like, nobody drink the beer. The beer it's, has gone. It's bad. gone bad. Which I think is pretty funny. And then I I think it's a spirited performance. It's fun. He's does a, like a little uh, sing. He sings out with a song that's playing. You know, he's gotten really popular. The, there's a couple girls that really start liking him. They kind of do some Me Too stuff to him. Like, there's a lot of just like people grabbing each other, and kissing each other, and whatever. Fine, I get it. It's weird, but whatever. But then we get uh, a later scene where it's established now that Jennifer Love Hewitt is off the market. Or, you know, on the market, and she's not dating Mike anymore. They're broken up. She's got already, in the evening, been uh, pursued by her second cousin, where he leans in and kisses her after, like, being, like, trying to be real understanding of her relationship and all that. That guy uh, is a second cousin. She, he tries to get in on her. He does, That doesn't work, obviously. And then there's a whole sequence where she is walking through, like, the party, and there's just, like, catcalling. Uh, people who are like, oh, I want to kiss you or all this other stuff. It's like pretty bad. She's getting meat. She does. She just. There's a part where she walks from like the living room to the backyard where she's getting me tooed by like seven, eight people, just on the way out. And that culminates with like that's finally the time that Preston decides to go up and actually try to talk to her, and she explodes on him, rightfully so. Yeah. So let's listen to a clip real quick of it. Mike is completely out of the picture. I was thinking you might come in my van, turn that fan upside down. Amanda, hey, I, I just saw what happened. And I, oh, God, you're a hottie. Hey, can I see you, Megan? Hey, Amanda, do you remember that time you danced with me in the soft opera? I never told you, but I had the hugest boner, and I oh thought maybe God. you know we could work things out. Amanda, let me get you out of that skirt, baby. Get you out of my that's you can even hear that one off the bat, like get you out of that skirt, baby, or whatever. Yeah. And then Preston goes into then he And she guy. at this point she's already read the letter, so she's looking for him, but she doesn't know who he is. She doesn't know who so he is. So he tries is. to approach her about it and she just like unloads on him. Like I have had enough of this. Like she finally like I mean it, it it's appropriate. Like mm-hmm. she I mean deservedly rips him a new one. It's deserved. Like I'm sorry, Preston, but like in that moment, it's a bad bad timing. Yeah. Oh, you're gonna have that too? Yeah, you want us to do Great. it? Great. Yeah, let's- Amanda! Amanda, I love you. Listen, um, I know that must sound really strange, but I've always, excuse me, I've always felt that there was this unspoken connection between us. 
And ever since the first time that I saw you when you were holding my favorite Pop-Tart. And the truth is, I'm leaving tomorrow. And if we could go someplace... Oh, you know what? That is enough. That is enough. God, I haven't even been single for like five minutes. And already, already you think that I am just going to strip off my clothes and do you right here because I don't know. I don't know. You imagine that we shared some intimate moment that you have probably been drooling over for the past four years. God, you know, how sick and deluded are you? I mean, yeah. She, what she should have done is mm-hmm. stick with that intuition. Yeah. Because <laughs> that's the correct response. So he It's appropriate. Right. He's accurate. Not, he wasn't going up there to say that he wanted to sleep with her, to be clear. But, like... The rest of it's kind of true still. It's, hey, I've been obsessing about you right. since we shared this moment that you don't even remember. So I love you. We're going to yeah. share it, spend the rest of our lives together. It's totally unfair. What the fuck? Yeah, it's Maybe, totally like, unfair. Maybe, like, get to know me first before you just fucking think that we're going to have this long-term relationship. And that's the only character moment that Jennifer Love Hewitt's character has in the entire movie. The rest she's just like, oh. Yeah, I'm popular. Ooh. I'm not popular. I'm nice, but no one knows that, and I dated a jerk. And And she's like, there's this one scene where she's like, well, I, when I moved to the school, I was just like the nice girl, and he asked me to date him, so I did. Get the fuck out of here! Shut up! Right. Oh my god, that is not, you're not an interesting person at all. No. So she, um, you know, figures it out and they get together, whatever. Um, <laughs> get together. <laughs> that's fine. Like, she chases him down into the fucking bus station. At the bus station and they, like, you know, they, he almost leaves, but then he decides to take a later train. That's the end of that story, whatever. Like, that's it's garbage. I, it doesn't, he doesn't earn that. Like, I don't know. She is so moved by this letter because apparently he's he's so good of a writer that uh, Kurt Vonnegut wants him at a workshop. So whatever he wrote in this letter made him made her fall in love with him instantly speaking of this uh, well i'll get to that okay fine i'll get to that that's uh, we'll, no i wanted to get into the what did roger say oh okay yeah okay do that because he makes a comment about that okay so uh what did roger say? say so this is where we talk about roger ebert who was a movie critic back in the day and is now dead back in the day <laughs> our day back in our day um so what is your okay we have, on the last couple episodes, we have talked about 10 Things I Hate About You. Which was a three star. Nope. nope. And <laughs> She's All That. Okay. Both of which were two and a half stars. Okay. Okay. Oh, uh, I think you're setting me up here. So, what did he give the old can't hardly wait? Did he give it three stars? No. Oh, okay. Gave it one star. Nope. Oh, Close. One and a half. Oh, wow, okay. Mostly I was, when I, Tyler and I were talking about this before the podcast started, um... I was kind of irritated that he gave She's All That two and a half stars oh, as well as 10 Things I Hate About You. They they are not on the same... One is clearly better than the other. <laughs> One is clearly better. But his review... Dang it, I clicked away from it. Um, Of this movie that we're talking about. Can't Hardly is, Wait. Is spot she on. can't hardly... She can't, ar- uh, she can't all hardly that wait. Yeah, so he does kick off... And I'll get to the part you were just mentioning in a second. Mm-hmm. He he kicks off his review with, there's one character in Can't Hardly Wait who is interesting and funny. What's your guess on who he's talking about, Tyler? Lauren Ambrose? Maybe it was a mistake to write her in. She makes the other characters look like gnat-brained bozos. Yeah. Her name's Denise. She's played by Lauren Ambrose, and she has a blah, blah, blah. So, yeah. agree with that. I do. Um... The early days of June seem to bring a movie like this every year, celebrating the graduation of the senior class and its ejection onto the conveyor belt of life. Um, Can't Hardly Wait is a lesser example of the genre, which includes 
in descending order of accomplishment, <laughs> which I appreciate. Yeah, that's nice. Um, say anything. Mm-hmm. American Graffiti, mm-hmm. Days and Confused, mm-hmm. Fast Times at Ridgemont High, and Porky's. I mean, yeah, I mean, I, I like all those, except for I don't have much memory of Porky's. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's what he's saying. This is like a much less version of that genre. Right. Um, then he goes through the plot. Hold on, then I'll get to the whole writing thing. Blah, 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 blah. Preston tries to give Amanda a letter he has written, spilling out his innermost thoughts. This must be some letter. <laughs> we never get to see what it says. No doubt, because a letter good enough to win Amanda would have to be better than anything the screenwriters are capable of writing. I. It's funny that you read that. I remember that line of that review. Do you really? Yeah, I do. That... Maybe unless he pull, use it on something else because I remember that line of that. It's such a great because it's very it's so true. Like it, it's so true. It's like, better than anything that anybody else could have ever come up with because they clearly don't want you to know what that is. Yeah, because they couldn't do it. And this isn't like this some like lost in translation. Like what did he say in her ear? No, no this is like we don't know what's gonna we don't know what would convince her to fall in love with him. Yeah, or at least give him a chance. It's just like damn, whatever was in there must have been real good. Right. Okay. So I thought that was funny. So well, there let's backtrack a little bit and just talk about Seth Green and Lauren Ambrose because I agree that Lauren Ambrose is in a different movie in terms of just being a character that is feels like a person yeah she doesn't all these characters are not people uh but she's playing against for the most of the movie a character Seth that is Green. the worst I mean can you no even Preston's so well, he's um, blah he's like cardboard that so yeah too I'm like why are these two friends too puppy dogish it doesn't really make a lot of sense but um they they said they dated which is weird he called her a bitch too at one point which is great um not great I'm just being sarcastic about that yeah it does it a couple times but... um but Seth Green so I I get that this is supposed to be some kind of like comedic like this is that horn dog character that we're supposed to you know find amusing this is the like showboating guy who acts like he gets a lot of when he's a virgin right yeah and never has and is afraid of it and nervous and doesn't know what he's doing and carries around kama sutra handbooks but it's just so uh... it's so broad i don't was this was it funny then would people did people find this performance funny because i remember watching this movie a lot and never really connecting with this character it just seemed to me like such a cartoon like the fact that he has a Kama Sutra book and he's got oils in his backpack and and a candle and oh my god, shut he's caught just like get out of here. D- doing something while putting like trying on condoms or whatever. Like it's just so strange. And then we get this whole thing where they're friends. She tells him to drop the gangster act. He can talk normal. He pees in front of her. They talk about second grade and then they have sex. That's pretty much what happens in the span of uh, like two scenes, right? Yeah, they have a first kiss, right, and then sex, sex. It's so weird. Like I know they're they're trying to do so much in this like sequence of like there's a lot of history here, but it like just shortcuts all of it and it just doesn't ever feel right. I will say that I liked the one believable piece of drama in the movie, I would say, is they have sex. It doesn't go particularly well. He feels defensive about it. She feels defensive about it. And they both kind of say shitty things to each other. Yes. More him than her, but... And even before they have sex, she asks him, like, have you done this before? And he's like, no. And she's and he goes, have you? And she's like, yes. 
Mm-hmm. And I think that's kind of different for these kind of high school movies where like they're virgins or she's definitely a virgin and he's not. So kind he, of like But they don't he doesn't play up that and he even says like oh, I don't want to hear about it. that's fine. Yeah, like, like I don't want to hear the details. Yeah, and that's fine. So I I like that and I like that there's this disagreement. I think he's acts like a dummy, but whatever. Yeah, but, she says something like it it'll get better or longer or whatever right. and he yeah. get, he gets defensive, gets into the his rapper thing again. But what I like about it is that after the party, we do get a little scene where they he tries to approach her, or maybe it's at, still at night. I can't remember, but he approaches her, and he just like it's there's no grandstanding. He just goes up and tells her he's sorry. Like, yeah, I'm sorry. And it's like enough because that he just was, and then like yeah, they just they reconcile immediately without a bunch of dramatics. It's actually the most realistic thing in the movie. It's just like, okay, yeah, they can move on from this bad moment. Mm-hmm. I like that. Mm-hmm. That's about the only piece of actual drama in the movie that I thought worked. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, one one little segment, and then we'll get to the... We are ending. way past my five-minute cap of talking about this terrible There's movie. There's a couple things we're talking about. <laughs> the, this movie also, unfortunately, in 1998, has a lot of gay panic in it. Tyler, what is gay panic? Well, it's when characters behave in a way in which if their heterosexuality is somehow questioned, it has to be pushed back very strongly. And, or the movie itself has feelings that are... Anti-gay. Anti-gay. Very and anti-gay. So at one point we get Mike Dexter, his villain, he gets finally taken down a notch by Amanda, Jennifer Love Hewitt, stands up to him at the party, says, like, we're not getting back together, you suck. Right? Mm-hmm. And it's like people rally around her. They like... That she did this. They're really excited for her. They even cheer. And then someone yells out a slur. A gay slur. And you're just like, and it's supposed to be meant as funny. And it gets brought up again where he says, like, someone called me that. And it's like. It's very much like, oh, burn. Yeah, Ah, it's ugly. And it's gross. It's really, yeah, it's one of those things you just wish could. It seems even like in 1998, it seems like a bad choice. Uh, But whatever. Just not great. Didn't like no, that. No, I think how old were we, like 15, 16? I think we were all using that word in high school. Probably. And I think that that's... And defending ourselves, okay. saying like, well, we don't mean it about gays. We mean it to be stupid. Right. Which is bad. But okay. So yes, I could see that if the movie was making a point of like, this is how teenagers talk, but it's meant to be like a laugh line. Like it's played like a punchline. Yeah. Like you're supposed to be like, like ah, oh, burn. And that's what I don't like about it. I don't like... I mean, yeah. Okay. Sure. Teenagers talk like that, but it just didn't seem good to me. The movie continues the doubling down of this because he and the nerd guy have a drunken reconciliation where they start talking and they embrace, they have a hug, in which boys to men's like, I'll make love to you plays in the background and it plays up as they hug. Yeah. Weird. Like, they're not, it's very clearly not meant to be any kind of like sexual relationship. Just some gay panic. The nerd's entire plan was hinging upon like getting him out inside naked with some weird stuff all over him. Which is successful. His nerd friends come down and do this, but unfortunately, the nerd guy is drunk. Caught up in it. And he has done the same thing where they have laid down, and it's so ooh, more hilarious gay panic. Take pictures. It's so embarrassing that the popular guy, he hugged, is embracing a man. Okay. Whatever. The cops come, and the cops even say, like, they find him on the ground, and yes, okay, they've got some stuff on them. Like, and they're half naked. Half and, naked. Mm-hmm. They've got some weird, like, things on them, but it's not like, whatever. It's two drunken guys hugging essentially and the cop goes let's get these two sickos down to the station which is also meant to be a comedic line just weird just weird didn't remember that about the movie didn't like it it's a whole end of the yeah it's just takes up so much of those both those arcs and it doesn't feel satisfying in any Mm -hmm. kind of way okay so 
Can't hardly wait. I don't think it's a very good movie. But I have to I have to kind of we have to explore a little bit about why I watch this a little bit, I think. Because oh, you're gonna get real? Well, share, be a little bit vulnerable here. I think I think you pointed this out to me, and I like, and it makes sense. I was a guy that like I wrote some letters. You were Preston a little bit, a little bit, in yeah. High school. Uh, there were some situations where I wrote letters because I was smitten with a girl. And you're a writer. If we haven't mentioned right. that before, you're right. a writer. And so you know, I was then, and so I felt like, well, I need to convey. I get nervous around uh, the ladies, mm-hmm. and so I need to convey that information. So I, you know, I can kind of seal the appeal of this relationship now a couple caveats with the girls that i've written letters to <laughs> if you're listening girls <laughs> i spoke to them <laughs> you had quite with often them. they they probably knew your name yeah uh, uh, most if not all i would have considered friends at the time like mm-hmm. we were friends like some of us we would see each other outside of school and friend groups so yes. there was a relationship there beyond me like giving you a pining letter. and stalking from right. the edges there was there was attempts to <laughs> do it the normal way <laughs> right so there's that uh, i think that's probably the most important caveat uh whereas the movie doesn't give you that at all no and, but i think that given when i watched the movie i must have kind of forgotten that part about it and just it seems like it's a, this movie's a fantasy right it's a fantasy for the shy person the guy who has liked a girl from afar who's unattainable she was always dating someone or she was too popular and here's this slug love-lorn guy who writes letters and is sensitive and has a cool friend who she probably should be be better off you know he'd be lucky to date her right mm-hmm. which he just blows off which is mm-hmm. weird uh she has to get stuck with weird seth green yes bullshit but bullshit. uh you know because her hair is short i think that's the only reason right they gave her a short haircut so like see she's not the pretty one she's mm-hmm. stupid it's so stupid but um so i think that there must be that must be where this like rewatchability or something came from, where there is like a part of me that was like, "Oh, that's me! I that's couldn't get the girl fantasy. or whatever." Yeah, and I feel like, especially in this day and age, where finally we're starting to move the needle a little bit in terms of like, well, I mean, interesting that I'm talking about this today, but in a lot of cases we're moving the needle in terms of equality not so much today but it's a podcast no one needs to know about that uh (laughs) but we're moving the needle a little bit toward that and i feel like a lot of misconceptions that men have about women and how they should be treated are partially like rooted in some of these like fake fantasies yeah that we are we're meant to, we deserve these things. We deserve to have our chance with the popular girl. We deserve to share our feelings and to be heard and to, to have a chance. You're right? entitled. You're entitled. Yeah. You know, like, just give me a chance. I remember that. I remember that. Like, that was always like my thing. Like, if you just give me a chance, we're going on a date, you know, maybe we'll see what happens. Well, I mean, I think the thing you learn as you get older and hopefully as you get smarter is that that's not always how that works. Yeah. People don't have to give you a chance. Number one, girls don't have to give you a chance if they don't want to. They maybe you have a fair point. Maybe get to know me or whatever. But your friends, like you know, like don't you don't you feel like you've probably given them enough information? I know. Like I feel like I think if I have to look back on my stupid behavior as a teenager, is like well, I probably gave these girls plenty of information about who I was. I probably just needed to let it go a little bit earlier than I ever did. Yeah, they knew that you weren't right for them at that time. Right. So you know, I think that part of these. And then, so then I'm the one, you know, I'm getting hurt and getting, you know, very 
sad about those situations and being feeling rejected. But like that rejection is like less on them. It's more on me for having this idea of how things are supposed to work. This expectation. I think a lot of that hope. comes from kind of what we see in you know the culture a little bit and these stories of like this fantasy because this movie's bullshit. Yes. It's complete bullshit. It's complete bullshit, but it does build up that fantasy of... It's like the nice guy. He's nice. Oh, she's yeah. nice. You should give him a chance. Well, yeah. I mean, sure, hey, but maybe hey guys, not. if you get your opening, go for it. I, and that's fine. I think it's okay if you, like, go for it. Go for it. It's good. But, like, you know, like, you can't just, like, expect these things to happen or some magical... I do... I mean, this movie's trying to say that, right? He has a whole sequence where we didn't even talk about it. He goes... He's listening to the song Mandy because it's Amanda by Barry Manilow. It's on the radio a bunch. He thinks he's oh man oh by the way Barry Manilow is calling in live from Tokyo. Oh my so he God. goes to a payphone, mm-hmm. a payphone, nineteen nineties payphone, to try to call in and ask who the song Mandy was about. And Jenna Elfman plays a stripper who comes in and hang, hangs up the phone. And but they end up having a heart to heart. She was in love with Scott Bayo as a uh, a, a, a a lad or was a, a female. What's a female lad? What's the other? I do not know what you're asking. You know, like a lad, you know, when you say like a young lad, like a British. Girl? Yeah, like a lad, you know, I don't know, whatever, it doesn't matter. But uh, <laughs> there's like this whole thing like, now? oh, we, I had a chance, but you know, some things don't work out. It's okay to take your shot, but you know, if you missed your moment, oh, well, you missed your moment, but you don't want to regret not taking the shot. At least I had, at least you took your shot, right? And I get that that's trying a to say. A lassie? Oh, yeah, probably. That's it. Lad, you got it. Young lassie. So like, I, <laughs> I understand like the, the idea of... Like, going for it because you might regret it. I get that, but at the same time, like, you didn't talk to her. <laughs> like, you weren't, you didn't, weren't friends. You don't know anything about her, really. You know her by reputation. It's just a, it's a fantasy. The movie's a fantasy, but it's not a very fair fantasy, I don't think. Well, it should have ended when she chewed him out and said, like, what, now you you expect that you have built this fantasy about me, and now I'm just going to fall and look. I mean, she says, you know, get naked for you, but. Right. Same thing. She should have, it should have landed there. That's the story. But this, I mean, and that's it, the ending. But if you think about this this plot, I mean, it, they, we do this the other way too with like Disney princesses, and they want to be with the prince, and where we do it with like Aladdin who wants to be with Jasmine. It's always like you don't understand me. Give me a chance. It's always that. And it's been like that. So we're being you know we've been trained and in, in rooted in this, and, and you know thankfully some of these newer films and things like that are at least addressing this in more mature realistic ways but we were all sold a a way of the world that is not real and it only has i don't know i don't i don't want to say it's even gotten better because we just listened to eliza schlesinger's first 20 minutes of her elder millennial podcast or um stand-up right where she talks about um oh my god i'm not gonna like just go up to a guy and ask him out so she does this whole bit about girls don't ask guys out like ew like i got all dressed up and pretty i expect you to come to me it's the story like god i haven't we fucking moved the needle more than that well and it feels so old to us maybe because we're married and not part of that but at the same time it still feels like that's a poor message like i don't like why does it have to be like this distinction i i because and, it it's relatable because people continue to fall into these things and so she's right it's it's less her fault because she's mining comedy from experiences that her and her friends have had or yes. other people have had and therefore people are responding to it. She's yes. very popular. People like that stand-up. I'm just super annoyed because that's not how our story went and our story happened 20 years ago. I know. So it's frustrating. It is frustrating. So, Although you were just coming on the cusp of uh, 
Oh, just one all of those. these love letters to all these girls. I mean, yeah, to the point where, oh, first time I uh, hung out with Tyler, he walks me back to my dorm, and I'm all, hey, so this is me. I'm a, I'm a go getter. Yeah, you know, I see Tyler, he's a prize. I want to get him. A prize. Yeah, I'm gonna trap you. Uh huh. So I was like, oh, I really want to kiss you right now. To which he, asshole that he is, was like, ah, oh, yeah, like. Yeah, I, I would love to, but, you know, just to be, like, up front, I'm sort of into this other girl right now. I'm getting over another girl, is what I said. Yeah. Yeah. So and I was stupid. like, I was like, uh, fuck you. So, I mean, really stupid thing to say. So stupid. I mean, I we were both 18. We were, I was it such was a like dummy. First week but of in hindsight, it probably drove you to, like, uh, pursue me a little bit yeah, more. Yeah, there's a parallel universe in yeah. which Tyler said, okay, kissed me, I conquer Tyler, and then I move on. Yeah, he's like, whatever. But the way you played it, I was like, what? Yeah. Challenge accepted. And I'll, and you, know, you know what? I'm going to go ahead and say that it was all planned that way. Sure. <laughs> sure. Anyway, I just wanted to, I think that that, <laughs> I got into that a little bit just because I think that that's probably where it was rooted in, like, this repeat, like, viewing, maybe. Even though it's not good. I wouldn't. I don't think anybody should go back and watch them. There's no reason to. It has no and value. And now we fucking own this movie. We do. We got the DVD for like $2 God, on God, Tyler. We could always give it away. You could give it away if you want. You like, give it I don't to... want my kids watching this and be like, oh, yeah, let's pull this one out and watch it. Or do I? Things not to do. <laughs> well, you could let them have their own opinion about it, I guess. They'll be like, I'm not going to watch this old movie. Ew, there's like no phones. Even when there's we were, a payphone? What is that? There's a payphone. She'd be like, why don't we just, why wouldn't she just look on Facebook? Why should she walk around asking people? <laughs> right. I know, <laughs> why don't she so just weird. look them up online? Oh, yeah. I mean, that's the other thing. Like, there's no, there's no universe in which this movie survives because it's not, it doesn't, it, it's no it's high school. So, I guess there's parties still. There's obviously parties still, but you know, it's not. It's this not like this. There's no way you don't know this person. You just look it up. <laughs> you just look it up. But it doesn't compute at all. She shouldn't... I don't think she needs to know who he is. Who cares if they were in a class? It's a set 522 graduating seniors? That's so many. You can't know everybody. And so, like, I'm totally fine with that. Like, mm-hmm. her not knowing him. Just the ending is so stupid. She's like, oh... No, I don't get it. I it, it the right the right the Kurt Vonnegut inspired letter is so good that she just has no and she then, just feels loved by someone who actually gets her even though they, she doesn't he doesn't know her. And then what what's it called at the end when they like tell you what happens to the characters and There's like an on screen uh you know uh words or sentences that say is like Is there a thing that, that, I can't think of it right now? Now it's late. Guy, come on. That's late. Okay. And okay. uh So there's is like oh they're still together. It's all it says. The other ones are dumb. They're but... still together. Get out of here. Shut up. He broke up the... right when he left the train station. Went to Kurt Vonnegut. Fell in love with some girl that wrote some other thing for the Kurt Vonnegut workshop and forgot about a man uh, or whatever. It's so dumb. So dumb. Let's get hardly wait. I was trying to think of something else clever to say about I had nothing. Try to mess with my flavor. Long pause anything else you want to say about the movie no, that's it uh, um well we're gonna finish up with a real quick because it's uh, out over an hour we're at you said tea? you want to talk about this for 15 minutes you son of a bitch tea time with tyler okay would you like to light a spot of tea sure this is tea time with tyler where i fill up my tea with some water and tyler has to answer some random question that i don't plan ahead of uh-huh head for whatever and i'll just ask you in the moment so tyler wilson mm-hmm. name as many Seth Green movies 
as possible. Oh, wow. Okay. Uh, without a paddle. Uh, <laughs> that's, that's, that's what pops into your head for this? I don't know. What is that movie? He's right on the cover. He, his face is on the cover. I don't even, I think I've never even seen that movie. I don't think I, no, I don't think we have seen that movie. Uh, Austin Powers. Austin Powers 2, nope. The Spy Who Shagged Me. Austin Powers and Goldmember. Um, I mean, Buffy, but that's a TV show. I said movies. Come uh, on. Robot Chicken, but that's a TV show. Ninja Turtles, he voices Leonardo, but that's You're a TV show. You're at four, bud. Seth Green. Oh, man, what else was he in? I don't remember all his TV shows. I like Seth Green in the right role. You were only able to name four, and three of them were Austin Powers. But I nailed all the TV stuff. Did you? Yeah. All the TV Not stuff? Not all the TV, but like the good TV stuff. So what has Seth Green been up He's to? He's in lots of stuff. I just couldn't remember. But I think Seth Green can be good in, in the right thing. I just don't wasn't think there this some, was the right thing. Wasn't he in the news for some stuff? I don't know. Back in the day. Who could keep track of that stuff? God, I IMDb so. doesn't even want us to find out about Seth Green. It's like, <laughs> nope, not going to open that for you. He voiced Leonardo after Jason Biggs got fired from the Nickelodeon the Turtles series. Well, that's... Um, I didn't like him voicing him when I listened to those episodes. You have to get or used watched, to it. Well, because I'm like, that's Seth Green. Yeah, there's no way to hide Seth Green. I did like how so Jason Biggs was the originally Leonardo. He got fired for whatever reason, and then what they did in the show was like they had a fill in for a little while, and then when he when Seth Green took over, he's like, what's wrong? Like all the characters had to acknowledge how different. Like, what's wrong with his voice? He's like, uh-huh. oh, his vocal cords are damaged in a battle. Which I thought was pretty funny. Like they had, they couldn't not address it even on a Nickelodeon kids show. Like he we was have in, to talk about um, this. it in 1990. Oh, okay. Oh, sure. Yeah, he was in the TV version of it. That was the. I thought it was going to be the new one. Can't hardly wait. Yeah, I guess we saw that one. Yeah, we did. Uh, just can't buy me love. That's. I've been told we need to add that one to our list of okay. like high school. Go back. It's at 87. Maybe next ago. year. We only have months over. Dads, did you see that? It's a, that was a TV show with Giovanni Ravisi. See, I know all the TV shows. Oh, God. Didn't last. Oh, yeah, Turtles is on here. Anyway, so thanks for listening to this episode of Old Millennials Remember Movies. If you enjoyed this episode or you just like us as people because we're so awesome, um, head on over to iTunes. Give us a positive rating. We super appreciate that. You can also check out our other episodes by subscribing and tell your um, cool friends who like uh, old movies, you know, from the 80s and 90s to tune in. And thanks for listening. And uh, we'll talk at you another movie. OldMillennialsRemember.com. Bye.